again. Let's pray. Come, Lord Jesus, speak to us your word of grace. Grant to us by your Holy Spirit that we may have listening ears. Amen. Have you had need to prove who you are? Of course you have. Every time you buy a, a ticket for an aeroplane or a boat to go to France or Spain, you have to prove who you are. Get out your passport. Show it to the people. Does this look like me? I have to tell you, my photograph is a few years old. There's more hair then than there is now. If, if you apply for a job, you have to show that you're valid for work. If you're opening a bank account or you're getting married, you have to prove who you are. Where I live in Winchester, you have to prove who you are to get a parking permit to park your car outside the house. Jesus doesn't offer ID to prove who he is, but he says, who do, who do people say that I am? So around him are the inner circle of disciples and the wider circle, and there's actually another circle of disciples beyond them, women and men. And they've seen the Palestinian carpenter who one day kissed his mother, Babai, dropped the latch on his workshop, set off down the hill to the sea and called people to follow him. And this group of disciples that he's now talking to in Caesarea Philippi he, they have observed what Jesus does. They've listened to what Jesus says. They're not there to assess his paperwork. But they are there to assess his character. To try and understand his vision. They don't get it at this point, actually. But they're trying. They want to identify his motives. They want to evaluate what kind of a person he is. And to gauge, do I actually want to follow him? In this passage, almost like every other passage in the <laughs> gospel record, you have to ask two questions. The first is, what is happening? What's actually happening? And the second is, what's, what's going on? What's behind it? Well, what's happening? Jesus is asking his disciples a question, and they, they know what is happening. People are listening. People are taught. Some people are healed. Authorities are challenged. 
people are given dignity and hope and justice and life and wholeness. And they're seeing outcasts being brought into the circle of friends. Well, what's, what's actually going on? And here, Peter has a, a moment of perception, a flash of understanding. He says, do you know what? You are the Christ. You're the son of the living God. I get it. We've seen all this. We've heard all this. And now, I get it. And Jesus says, you're a rock. We know that Peter walks the way of faith with a firm tread at this point. But at other times of his life, it's less steady. In fact, a few verses later, it's very unsteady. And do you know, that's a bit like you and me, isn't it? Sometimes we walk the way of faith with firm tread, with real understanding, with perception. And at other times, mm, it's a bit wobbly, it's a bit unsteady. We're not so sure. Jesus says you're the rock. You're, you're a rock. Because you see this faith. You're going to be part of the community of faith. You're actually you're going to be a leader in the community of faith. This new community of goodness and grace and hope and salvation. And actually, the power of evil, the gates of Hades, will not withstand it. We've heard from Myanmar today, Upper Myanmar, where churches are destroyed, pastors imprisoned, Christians persecuted. It's not the only place in the world where this is taking place. But we know this. That wherever the church is crushed, wherever Bibles are burned, hymns, hymn books are trashed, churches are destroyed, crosses taken down from churches, we know that actually the church rises up stronger it doesn't come with axes and hammers and anger and destruction. It comes with kindness and gentleness and hope and faith. It comes with healing. It comes to make things well. There's nothing that can overcome that. And so Jesus says to them, we want you to bind evil, to pray to bind evil, to lose goodness and grace and hope in the world. 
the kind of thing that you and I need to be doing in our communities and through the ministry of this church. And Peter, the three keys. <laughs> you know, when you see a statue of Peter, oh, anywhere, go anywhere around Europe, there's loads of statues of Peter. He's always got a bundle of keys. Have you noticed that? Always got a bundle of keys. It looks as though, hey, that Peter, he's the caretaker. Right? What are those keys? I want to suggest to you today they're the keys of faith and hope and love. The key of faith in Christ, in the person that he is, in the Savior that he has become. We hold that key with humility. And the key of hope hope of salvation, a hope that actually God will take my penitence and my repentance, a hope that God will bring me the, the power of the Holy Spirit to live for him, a hope that actually I'll be able through actions and words, through challenge, be able to bring about justice for others and care for others. And the key of love love for others and their situation, for friends in Myanmar, in different parts of the world, people who are at the blind side of life, people who are in difficulty within our community, actually for all people and indeed all things, the care of creation that we should serve the community and stand for justice and care for all God's creation. And all of this, all of this is centered on Jesus. This is why he says to his disciples, who, who, who do you think I am? Who is he? Well, I want to offer you meditation about who Jesus is. For, for Jesus is the one. Jesus is the one who comes vulnerably, entering, entering space and time small, wrapped in humanity. Fragile, a loved bundle. He comes as a child, creative divinity wrapped in humanity. And for us, this Jesus man lives out truth and grace, knowing people by name, praying for healing overturning tables, challenging authorities, engaging with the marginalized, giving dignity and hope, healing and wholeness, pointing to the Father, offering mercy and forgiveness. And this Jesus man, he offers peace and joy, 
justice and a new life to Nicodemus searching, Thomas questioning, the woman filling her bucket well, Zacchaeus climbing, Martha catering, Mary listening to you and to me. And for all of them and for all of us, Jesus takes time, gives space, asks questions, points to a new way of grace, offers an invitation. Come, come, follow me. And then dramatically, on the, de- on the Friday we call good. Scheming leaders manipulate power, pass the buck, wash their hands, while Jesus is stripped, whipped, strapped beneath a crossbeam. Stumbles hillward, radiating mercy. And the one on whom we pinned our hopes is nailed to the cruel tree. Jesus is the one who dies for us. Yet on this cross, that is encrusted with our sin, sparkling with God's love, the nailed Jesus offers mercy and forgiveness, a new beginning to all who come humbly and penitent, seeking transforming grace and desiring to walk in newness of life. And yet... Jesus dies, exposed, alone. But that, that is not the end. For wonderfully, miraculously, Jesus is alive. Death's grip cannot hold him. Jesus springs the tomb breathing forgiveness, transforming creation, making all things new. Saving love blossoms this new dawn with a grace that is fragrant for all, cascading newness of life. So, risen Lord Jesus, by your vibrant presence, save and transform us. Receive our little grain of faith. Shape us by your saving grace. Loose justice in our communities. Bind and cleanse evil practice that we may bind and care for the brokenhearted and care for creation.
come living, glorious Lord Jesus. May we, may you, make us anew this day. Who do you say that I am? Is he just the bloke from Carpent, the bloke from Nazareth, the carpenter? Is it the wandering rabbi? Is it the guy who died on the cross at Golgotha? Or is he the Lord Jesus Christ taking our sin? offering us new life for me for you